Can you feel it? Is it starting to settle in? It's almost football time, y'all. Welcome in. This is Wake Up 502 with Rashawn Myers. 96.1, the Big X Sports Radio here in the beautiful city that is Louisville, the 502 area code. I am your host, Rashawn Myers, being joined in studio by the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Joe Kelly. Joe, how you doing this morning, brother? Feeling good, feeling lovely, Rashawn. I feel like we're kind of trolling uh, Haven since he's not here and we're going to be talking about college football. The entire <laughs> episode, no basketball, yeah. none. All thoughts about football, all commentaries, <laughs> every angle, and Haven's not going to get to listen to their talk or, or have him put on any of it. <laughs> oh, this man. Right, right, right. That's what we do. No, but you know what? I, I woke up this morning and I got out and – it wasn't, you know, of course it wasn't chilly at all, but, it, it, you know, it, it feels like football is on the way. Like, we're only, you know, we're, we're probably less than a week out, I guess, uh, you know, from a, a spring camp. I mean, excuse me, fall camp is starting soon, like within the like, next 10, 10, 12 days, I believe. Yeah, after 4th of July, you get a couple of weeks to enjoy grilling season and, and all that good stuff but once august gets here man it, it, i start i start getting a little little twitchy because we're two weeks out at that point yeah yeah i mean it, it we're, is, we're, I, we're mere weeks away rashawn from thursday through monday night being i got plans i believe it's august 4th i was listening to uh to to uh, of course our own mike rutherford uh yesterday and, and i think the hall of fame they talked about the hall of fame game hall of fame game is like august 4th so we're gonna have like. When was the last time you watched the the entirety of the Hall of Fame game? Oh gosh, uh, I it, it would have had to have been like a year. It's probably been a good twenty years, probably. <laughs> Seriously, I was trying to think about it, and I'm like, who was the last Buddy or U of L player that would have been playing in the third or fourth quarter of of, of that right. game? <laughs> I was gonna say something like maybe like uh, uh, the I want to say the year after the Ravens. 
won the Super Bowl or, or, or the year that the Ravens won the Super Bowl, and I think Chris Redman had gotten drafted by the Ravens. Uh, you know, like I think the Ravens may have been in the Hall of Fame game. Like it had to have been something like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like either that. Like, I'm, that that's what I'm. I'm trying to think. But yeah, it's usually like Lamar Jackson, Chris Redman. Um, you know, our quarterbacks are been have been the only guys where I would actually. <laughs> See, man, I'm a junkie. Wait. I'm a junkie. If if you had told me, hey, remember that third string defensive end that never could get crack rotation at U of L? Well, he got picked up on waivers by Dallas. Right. Be like, I'm watching the Hall of Fame game. Let's let's see our boy go cards. Don't remember him. <laughs> Don't remember him, but let's do it. Yeah, well, you know, I mean that, that you know, we always we love to wrap ourselves in the flag of the Cardinal at all times. You know, that's 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 what we do. That's that's our thing. You know what I'm saying? Around here. We love all, all things red and black, even though, you know, some people will tell you that I hate everything red and black. Uh, you are a hater, sir. <laughs> I just, I, I love how how we've done a 180, and now Rashawn's the hater, and I'm, I'm the the person of, of yeah, of the, boundless optimism. You're the eternal optimist, and I'm the jerk. <laughs> how did we get here? That, that, right, <laughs> that, that won't let anybody be. And you know what? Uh, to to that fact, I I, I will say this. Um, coming up, I, I want to dive into. You know, I, I think we're going to do um, some some college angles in the first hour, and then of course we have plenty to get into in the second hour when it comes to uh, the NFL and the NBA. Um, there was a top ten list uh, that came out of quarterbacks uh, polling league uh, players, staff, media, um, and it's very interesting to see where Lamar Jackson came up on that list. Uh, we also have our, our man Donovan Mitchell. Uh, you know, it looks like at first they were saying, will he go? Then it became, will he stay? And now it looks like m- maybe will he go again? <laughs> I, I have some thoughts on this, Rashawn, because I'm not sure if you're aware of this. I am a long-suffering, miserable New York Knicks fan. Ooh, oh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we're definitely going to get into that. But that's going to be our number two. Our number one is going to be, you know, I, I have a couple of things locally. I, lo- I always like to start with the with, with the local angles and the local questions. Of course, if you want to get involved, 414-1450, the Thornton's text line, is the best way to get involved um, to hear your thoughts on anything that you hear today or even if you want to completely derail the show and ask for, you know, Joe's favorite uh, trilogy uh, of movies, you know. I mean, we can, we can do that. We can do that. <laughs> well, whatever you want to get it's into. It's July. Yeah, exactly. It's still it's still July for a uh, couple weeks. It, it's uh, July 16th today. So, you know, we got a couple weeks left in the month. Um, but, you know, the, the sports talk is about to get super serious and super heavy very, very soon. So, you know, if you have your last couple of July sports topics, you know, we can you can always be like, you know, you know, Jordan or, Co- uh, Jordan or LeBron, <laughs> you know, just your ridiculous arguing points. I'm so glad. You know, one of the funniest episodes of the main event sports show ever, probably our most classic show that we ever did. Uh, this is back while we, when we were back on, on, on the other stick on LOU. A uh, long time ago. It's you know, it probably a 10-year-old argument. But the argument that <laughs> – me and Haven got into over who is the greatest Laker. Oh, yes. You know, and, and we got into the whole Kobe versus Magic debate. <laughs> it I, was. I actually once heard a man yell that Kareem invented the skyhook because he was blind. He's obviously the best Laker. And this guy was serious about that. 
Well, he wore <laughs> he wore goggles. The man couldn't see. He invented the sky because he was just chucking a shot up there, but it was efficient. Oh my gosh! Wow. Keep talking, sir. <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> you, sir, are gold. Oh my god. Hey, but you know what? That's that's July, and off the rails radio can be fun. That that absolutely. I think that is my favorite aspect of of Mike's show. Yes. With Trevor. Yes. Is sometimes I'll tune in and I'll just be like. You know, I'm not feeling it today, and I don't want to hear Mike talk about his wealth of knowledge about U of L. Yes, Trevor, take the wheel, man. T- drive them into a cliff. Do it, do it. Because the way that he comes up with, uh, I don't, I, I don't know, Rashawn. I, I've turned them on and just randomly heard them like power ranking ruffles. Yeah. <laughs> or Trevor's explaining WrestleMania to Mike, and it's just as as entertaining as you would think it would be. Oh, absolutely. Well, that, that that that's what I always say. You know, Tre- Trevor Kelsey is definitely anytime I've ever hosted with Trev, going all the way back um, to the olden days uh, when I first started working with uh, Dugan and, and everybody here at the station. I always said that you know, trying to wrangle him is it, you know how you have like you ever seen the parents that have the little kids that have like the leash on mm-hmm. their child, mm-hmm. and, the child and you is- think it's wrong until you watch the <laughs> child for about three minutes <laughs> and then you're like is that is that leash gonna hold yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know because he's just going there and there and i told trav you know i said hosting a radio show is is it and trying to wrangle you into whatever you know you have an idea about what you want to talk about when you go in there and then trev was just be he will ask the most oddest of questions. Like, like Michael get into a full story, and he'll give like some little tidbit that has nothing to do with the story, just to add color. And Trev will take that little nugget and just roll down that path. And Mike's personality, I think, working with John was like prep, you yes. know, because Michael just—that's really what you took from that story, Trev. He's the perfect straight man, because tre- tre- Trevor, you know, it, they, they call it the Mike Rutherford show, it, it, but it's really, <laughs> he always says uh, TK and friends. <laughs> yes, it is definitely much more TK and friends. Like, I, I think 90% of the text line is talking about Trevor mm-hmm. much more than it is anything that Mike mm-hmm. wants to talk about. And Mike has amazing content, has amazing stories, great you know, great angles, great thoughts, but Trevor just completely hijacks the show, and it's hilarious. Yes. I love it. Yes. He's like the Ed McMahon that won't show. <laughs> He's like, thank that's, you, Trevor. I'm going to get out my point about DJ Wagner. That is, that seriously is the perfect analogy. That's, that is perfect. I'm telling you. Spot I, on. I, I love it. But I always say, like, in summer radio, and I told Trevor this the last time I, I sat in when I was sitting in for Mike a couple weeks ago, I was like, you know, I, I said, you and Nick Valvano. I said, y'all two may be crazy and may go out on some of the weirdest tangents, but like having one of you two sit back there behind and, and, and handling the mic, doing the producing, you're guaranteed to have wonderful summer radio content. Uh, you know, people people used to just bash us on the text line when uh, when I would fill in for Bob's show over on at that station. Yes. And they would just say, it's, it's Joe and Biscuit. And Nick, and I don't know what they're talking about. And I'm like, well, damn it, they called me 15 minutes before we went live and said, can you come in and do Bob's show? I, I didn't, yeah. I, I'm not going to lie to you people. I did no show prep, none. I listened to Locke and Andy on the way down here to figure out what was going on because right. last night I even caught up on Netflix and didn't even watch sports. <laughs> so we're winging it today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, you know what? But you're right about Nick. He he's another. Oh, I'm telling you, man. Like it's it's just one of those things. Especially you know when you get to, to get to this point, you know that there's really not a lot of news. Of course, University of Louisville has just 
leaned into the fact that they are going to make sure they don't sign any more basketball players. So, hey, uh, we did get an explanation on uh, on on where the divide and where the rift started between Neely and Chris Mack. Yes, yes. Well, you know, now a lot of stuff makes sense, doesn't it? It was, I, I you know, that that was a. Because, like, everybody, when that story came out with the whole whistleblower, uh, you know, lawsuit or whatever, like, it was just very odd because I really didn't have a, like, I didn't think that was, like, one of those, oh, here goes the University of Louisville doing something. I really felt like that was more reflective of those individuals, mm-hmm. you know, Chris Mack and Neely, than it was had anything to do with University of Louisville, especially considering both of those people are no longer here. You know what I mean? Like, of course, you know, the, the, the Eric Crawford's going to do his part with bringing out the story. But, like, when it came out, it was one of those things where people were, were, were like, oh, here we go. Louisville just doing what Louisville does. and Even the people they bring in to clean the mess up are dirty. You know? Yeah, but I was like, <sighs> it's not definitely, it's definitely not a, a good look. But, you know, a, as other people have said, you know, UK literally had like a whistleblower lawsuit like a couple months ago and nobody had anything to say about it but Louisville's whistleblower lawsuit becomes front page news <laughs> I mean but it's it, it but it just, in defense man it, it 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 I understand why you know what I mean it's newsworthy that's what U of L has just got to have it, a, we have got to have a string of not doing anything bad so it's not like oh everyone associates them anyway with this stuff absolutely let's just absolutely. be like another day in the neighborhood well, I, I think it's one of those things. It's just, and I've always said this about being in this market. I don't feel that the University of Louisville is different or anything more goes on here than does anywhere else. The only difference between Louisville and most every other university is you don't have the enemy sleeping in your bed. Mm-hmm. And because you have the enemy sleeping in your bed and you have so much, such a mix of U of L and UK supporters. Um, in your area, and because we have definitely gotten into this war ever since the Billboard Wars. Like, you remember at the height of the Billboard Wars when Louisville and UK were just going back and forth, sniping at each other, and it seemed like the, especially when Tom Jurich was here, the rivalry got real nasty. It got, man, when he put that billboard up in uh, Frankfurt, yeah, said Louisville, we're miles, we're miles ahead. ahead. Like, <laughs> At that point, the rivalry changed, and it really, really became nasty. Like, and and I feel like at that point, UK um, just kind of mobilized the Big Blue Nation to 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 any angle that they could do, anybody that they had that supported UK within the University of Louisville um, hierarchy. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It, it became one of those things where, you know, Matt Jones and the rest of the folks, they would utilize their, seemed like they would utilize their Because you remember for a long while, anything that came out of Louisville, Matt Jones was putting it out there before anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it just really seemed like at that point, once – Everything got mobilized, and we had the whole Katina Powell stuff, and we had all the other ridiculous things that happened. It always seemed like, you know, news coming out of all this stuff, a lot of it was coming from the big blue side. But once that happened and that whole change of how the rivalry was done, like it used, like all these things have been going on since the beginning of time. But because you have such a mix, and now because the, the, way, the way the rivalrying is being done, um, everything that happens at Louisville that would be that happens everywhere else 
and nobody ever knows about it mm-hmm. is literally front page news because somebody is going to go run to a media outlet and say, well, you know, this is going on and, you know, this is happening. And, you know, you know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Oh, the only other school that, I, that jumps to mind that ha- has ever had to deal with this was the U. Yeah. They got that from Florida and Florida State. Yeah. I, you know, I'm talking about the UK-UFL rivalry, I have really mellowed on it until game week. And then game week, I'm feisty and nasty, and we can we can get in the mud and, and do that. For me, it kind of changed when a buddy of mine who's a Michigan grad, he moved down here to work, and he said, Joe, I'll be honest with you, man. I just – I don't get it. You know, and, and I'm used to the Michigan State and the Ohio State rivalry. It's not like – and Notre Dame – Right. It's not like Michigan is short on people hating them either. But he said, y'all got this weird Batman and Joker dynamic down here between UK and U of L. Like, y'all refuse to admit, but y'all need each other and wouldn't know what to do without the other one. Yeah. I, I, he said, and I dare say that, that a lot of fans on both sides, y'all hate the other team more than you love your own. That's true. And I, I don't know if that's true across the board, but I know on Twitter it is. Well, the, you know, they always say, you know, my, my favorite team is U of L and whoever's Ever. playing UK. Like, mm-hmm. I, I do know some Louisville fans that literally celebrate more. I ain't gonna lie to you. Anytime UK loses a game, I like listening to UK post game. Oh yeah, that is must listen to radio. I love it. Like I do. I, it's a guilty pleasure. I of mine love as well. to bathe myself in the tears of UK fans. But like, I'm not gonna call anybody out because because it was years Basketball, ago. Basketball, football, like. and, and we all we've all been there. But like. If you're popping over, if you're popping open bottles of bourbon that you've had saved for a couple of years to celebrate your foe's loss in yeah, the NCAA yeah, nah, tournament, not, that's I'm, that's lame, man. Yeah, <laughs> like well, you're, you're acting know. like an herb at hey, that point. You know what? I, I I give you one caveat. Okay, Wisconsin. That's that's the game where I knew people <laughs> popping bottles, man, and I was just hey, like, no, that's, "Hey, let me tell you something." Explain Everybody that to should, me. Okay, I'm explaining that to you because let me tell you something. Like. In that one instance, I am okay with any amount of celebrating. Like that Wisconsin win, the only the only games I put ahead of that in terms of my excitement level and happiness level were eighty or well eighty six. Oh my god, man! And twenty thirteen, really? And probably the U of L West Virginia game, the comeback, go to the Final Four. Right. Outside of those three games, I probably celebrated was happier more. For that Wisconsin win. Wow. But because let me tell you something, Joe, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay? <laughs> it's a very big-time rivalry here, okay, in, in this city, in the state and within this city. If UK has the first and only team to go 40-0, and 0, which probably we would have never – we will probably never see that again for a major Power 5 team to have an opportunity to do that. Like, that, that, that was lightning in a bottle, and – I say that for a couple of reasons because within that 40-0 team, UK almost lost probably six or seven times that year. They had very close. It wasn't like UK was just so dominant that they destroyed everybody. They had a lot of luck that went into being able to get that far undefeated. But once they got there, it literally looked like they were going to get it done. There is no trump card for we had the only 40-0 and undefeated champion. And UK fans are already obnoxious and unbearable Fair. as it is. You can't give them the ultimate trump card because you can never win that. Yeah, I, I get Like, the only I, I thing that. that's worse than that is if UK literally beat L for the championship. Like, it was okay in 2012 when UK beat Louisville because nobody, Louisville wasn't supposed to be there. Right. And that Anthony Davis team was, you know— 
one yeah. of the greatest collections of of guys that in of my lifetime. Like that, they were the uh, anointed, adorned. They were expected to win the championship, so there was no shame in that. That that's probably the one thing I never would have thought that U of L losing to UK in the tournament would be okay. Like to me, the the the, the Sweet Sixteen game that U of L lost that was miserable. Two years later, was much worse. That was absolutely miserable. You know what I mean? Like that that was much worse. But you know, I I, I feel like you just can't give UK that trump card because once they get that. They have they, you you can't say anything forever. Yeah, we were undefeated. Like so, that's that's why you can't. I guess I guess I was more that. caught up with the point with the fact that like wow, the anointed team really just got ran by a bunch of dudes that look like youth pastors from oh, Wisconsin. The fact that it was Frank Kaminsky. His Frank goofy. Kaminsky looked like a youth pastor. <laughs> his goofy tail and the rest of that team and Sam Decker with the with oh. the 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 stormtrooper haircut. <laughs> Uh, it was perfect. It was perfect. Oh, it was perfect. I was like, I honestly geez. thought Notre Dame was going to get him in the game before that. Yeah, I really thought Notre Dame was because that Notre Dame team passed the ball and moved it around a lot, and that yes. was the only way I felt like you could really neutralize that Kentucky team was keep them moving on defense. I mean, Jeremy Grant and and, and that squad mm-hmm. like that, like you that UK team. If you go back and you really look at it and you break that, it wasn't that that Carl Anthony Towns team was not. Like that, they weren't the 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 dominant team. Like that 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 UK team that Louisville lost to in twenty twelve was much more dominant. See, I always thought I always thought that twenty twelve team was really tough to, to to really put a finger on because the reason why I say that was Anthony Davis was that good. Yes, I didn't know if Michael Kidd Gilchrist was worth a damn. Uh, his NBA career would indicate not really. Yes, uh, I can't remember the point guard that. That, that they had at the time, it was, uh, oh, gosh, out of Indianapolis. Oh, please don't do not do that to me. Jeff, uh, I, 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 I mean, uh, I was about to say Jeff Teague. Uh, uh, um, it, it's, it, Jeff Teague's little brother, yeah. Marquise Teague. Thank you. Just, I just I didn't know what like how do you accurately gauge any of them as one-on-one defenders because it, it's got to be mentally, knowing that, that, that the collegiate Dikembe Mutombo is behind you, ready to go, uh-uh. Well, and you had Kid Gilchrist, who right. was probably as great a he was a, a great on ball defender. Yes, but also like how good were they really? Because you you can play with a little extra swag when you know that if your guy should beat you, you know what I mean. Like you're willing to yes. gamble more when when the when the the human eraser is behind you. Well, that was the whole thing with that UK team is that they were not a great offensive team. Um, you know what I'm saying that their their jump shot came and go, but they were so good defensively and they were so good on the backboards mm-hmm. that they needed just enough offense. To win, but that they, they like were so athletically superior at just about every position, and then you had you know that veteran in Darius Miller able yeah. to do what, would do what he did. Like that team was just it, 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 they were just like you had to play like, and Louisville almost got him. Louisville almost got him in the, in that Final Four game. Like like they needed. I I do wonder if Peyton Siva hits that three from the top of the key, and Louisville takes the lead in that game in the last. And, you know, with four minutes left in the mm-hmm. game. How things would have changed. The, I think that was it, it. It was awful that it had to end to your rival. Yes, but that might have been the most entertaining. Year. And I'm including the following year when we did win the win the championship yeah. because you just don't expect to go to a Final Four when you get blown out by South Florida on Senior Night. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like yes. for all the frustration that everybody has in 2014, where they say we beat UConn three times by a combined 90 something points. Right, they were never close, and that was your eventual. I mean, that's frustrating. Right. But the inverse of that is what we did in 2012, where 
I remember walking out of out of out of the arena on senior day thinking, man, if we can just limp on to next year, maybe this maybe this this Hancock kid really can shoot and we'll have some more offense. But whew, Rick got to find some offense. Yeah. And then we went on that run yeah. in those god awful uniforms. It was unbelievable. Like it was an unbelievable. Like that run was was. So like when when uh Russ Smith fouled out of the game the floor I mean not excuse me when when uh, Peyton Siva fouled out of the Florida game mm-hmm. and when Louisville basically had to go into overtime and trust in Russ Smith's crazy tail to, yeah. to 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 win that game <laughs> I was like well that's that good kind of heartburn been, it's been a good it's been a good run y'all <laughs> but there's no chance in hell that Russ is going to like. Get himself together, because at that point he was full. <laughs> oh, that's, I, all gas, no brakes. Man, I immediately switched from bourbon to Pepto at that point. <laughs> like I could not believe that they got that done. But you know what, though, that was like I feel like we lost in 2016, or excuse me, in 2014, because we was not supposed to win that game against Florida in 2012. That was that was our so like that that was the inverse because you know in that in that 2014 game you know Rick Pitino has Terry Rozier in there and Terry is is balling and you take him out because you want to ride Russ Smith down the last four minutes because Russ is going to win you that game against Kentucky because he's the senior and he's been there and he's the All-American. But really and truthfully, and me and Haven talk about it all the time, he should have left Russ, Russ on the bench. I think if he leaves Terry Rozier in that game. Terry was cooking. Yeah. You leave Terry Rozier in that game, Louisville wins. Louisville, was, uh, they had like a seven-point lead. Yes. You know, and, and you think, uh, you know, of course, I understand the way Rick's thinking. We have a seven-point lead, and we're going, we're putting our All-American back in. I know he's been struggling, but he's going to bring us home. We're going to beat Kentucky in the tournament. You know, and, and I understand why he did it, but like, I, I, I really think that like, we sold our soul mm. <laughs> for Russ Smith to be able to get it together and have that experience in 2012, and the the comeuppance and the comeback for that was that 2014 loss to UK. I really do believe that. 2014 was painful just because I was working in an office that was all blue. Yes. All blue. And that game was in Indianapolis, I believe. Yes. They all went up to it. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not. They wanted me to go. And I was like, I'm not going to be the one guy in red. No. Because yeah. that's no matter what happens, it's going to be a lonely ride home for me. Yes. I'm either going to be trying to give it to you all and you all are going to throw me out. There's, on too, there's too much on the, on the line. Yeah. There's too much on the line. Like I said, that's I didn't even watch that game with friends. I was so nervous about oh, it. No. I watched that game by myself. At the house. Well, and, and you know, that, that that was always the thing with me, um, you know, is that I always had a love-hate relationship with Russ Smith. Like, Russ Smith and Edgar Sosa are probably the two guys in my lifetime. When Edgar balled out against A&M in the tournament, I went, oh, oh God. God, we're in for a long three years. Uh, you know, I was always like, I can't stand your tail. You know what I'm saying? I can't stand your ass. Like that, yeah. that was just always with both of them. I don't know that there was ever a player that was more polarizing that people U of L fans either just loved him and he could do no wrong, or he they hated him and he could do no right than Edgar Sosa. I loved Edgar, but I hated Edgar. I, that's I think that's the <laughs> like it, it. It's truly fascinating. I've never seen anybody like him. Four one four fourteen fifty on Wake Up Five Hundred Two. Who was the Louisville player that you loved but could not stand? <laughs> I, I, you know who else is going to get some votes? Who's that? T will. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know. I, I will. <laughs> I, T will know. gonna get some. T will might be the. He, he, 
<laughs> he might actually be your derby pick in, oh, in, in, in this poll. I mean, <laughs> that dude, you know, Damian Dantzler. Oh, oh. Otis George. My man Otis. <laughs> like, I can go down that list. Kendall Dartez. Oh, God. You know what? That, that The biggest waste of talent maybe ever. Wow. Probably the big. But between him and um, uh, what's the uh, the big guy that came in with uh, Samardo Samuels, the other big guy, um, Ter- Terrence Jennings. Terrence Jennings. Terrence Jennings and, and Kendall D'Artez are probably the two most talented players athletically that maybe I've ever seen, play, you know, yeah. covering UofL that literally did not do a thing with it. Like, should have been NBA players. Ugh. You know what? You listen to Wake Up 502, Big X Sports Radio, Rashawn Myers, Joe Kelly. I know you hear football music playing, but basketball just finds a way to creep in. You know what I'm saying? Nature always finds a way, people. We'll be back. Wake Up 502, second segment coming right at you. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. Welcome back to Wake Up 502. Grooving a little smash mouth coming back. Hey now. You know what's great about that? That's from the, the hit movie franchise, Shrek. <laughs> and Rashawn, here's a challenge for you. When you're, when you're just shooting the breeze with your son. Yes. Ask him, uh, who's Eddie Murphy? Because there's an entire generation now that know Eddie Murphy solely as Donkey from Shrek, and that <laughs> right. is um that is an amazing 180 that that man is 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 pulled. <laughs> Eddie ain't messing with the money. <laughs> Good for him. That's hilarious. I loved it when they did the SNL 50th anniversary and uh, or 40th anniversary maybe, and people were upset because all Eddie did was come out and introduce an act. He didn't tell a joke. He didn't do anything. And I said, man, he's not messing with that Shrek money. Y'all remember the last time prior to Shrek that he was in the news. We won't get into all that, but Eddie got a little messy. Had to do a little little image rehab, and now he's getting that good. He's, getting that, he's spending that now, Shrek you better, money. You, you better believe it. I thought you were gonna uh, talk about Meteor Man, which you know, of course, was <laughs> that. Hey, now you're an all star. Was on the the soundtrack of Meteor Man, the Ben Stiller classic. That's one of the worst oh. movies. God. Ever. <laughs> I, yeah. Man, remember, like, Eddie had a real bad run, too, where it was like, what was that one, uh, Pluto? And, oh, gosh. Oh, Pluto Nash. Pluto Nash, yeah. Oh. And, and uh, Bowfinger. Oh, the- <laughs> Norbit. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the, the dark times. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a delta between uh, the clumps and uh, and Shrek there that you're like, well, yeah. I get it, man. Man's got to eat. Hey, you got you know, you got to do something. Yeah, Norbert. Oh, Oof. You know what? Four one four fourteen fifty Thornton's text line. We already got the Thornton's text line up and buzzing. Dee Dee's checking in with us this morning. Hey. Uh, she said uh, that twenty twelve Final Four run was such a surprise. Y'all gonna make me go back and watch that game again today? Hey, what else are you gonna do on a Saturday? You know, it's it's hot out there. Stay in the air conditioning. Oh man, like that 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 twenty twelve team was definitely like literally Chris Smith. Mm-hmm. When I think about Chris Smith and, and um, uh, Kyle Keurig, <laughs> you know, Kyle Keurig playing power forward and Lil went to a Final Four. Yeah, that's something. <laughs> like, that's something. I can't say like on a, air what it is. It's almost like a joke. It's just like, are you serious? This is the squad? See, this, and, and you know, it's funny, but – and she said, also, by the way, uh, FYI, T-Will drove me crazy. <laughs> Which, I mean, seriously. That's everybody. Like – when Rick, but you know that's one player that Rick didn't lie about at all when he recruited him. Yeah, didn't didn't tell a lie, not a single one. And and Rick was one for hyperbole. Oh yeah, you know, great, uh-huh. greatest you shooter, say. greatest shooter I've seen since you know whatever. Uh, but he said about T. Well, this is when you st- they they you didn't have the one and done rule. They kids were eligible to still go straight from high school. Yeah, he said, oh, if he had any sort of jump shot, he'd be in the NBA right now. Yeah. He just doesn't have a jumper, but he's the most athletic freak I've seen, I've recruited, and he's got the body of a 25-year-old adult. And he came to campus, and we were like, that's a freshman? And the brain of an eight-year-old child. <laughs> that, was, that that team I, I affectionately referred to as the knucklehead all-stars. Oh, gosh. Because that, that was they just had a bunch of, we don't mean to hurt anybody. Like, Do you remember his quote about Derek Character? That just really <laughs> summed him up, robbing the bank. Yes. That, that Derek would rob the bank with a water gun but forget to wear his mask. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, that might be perfect. He's not trying to hurt anybody. He just wants the money. He's not gonna, you know, he's, he's not trying to be violent. And damn it, I forgot my ski mask. Oh, uh, I mean, that like, those years, man. They, and you know what? The, and that's that was, like, that was, like, my whole thing, you, you know, is that – it's a Jimmy's and Joe's business. So, you know, you got to go out there. Rick Rick was pretty much all the other guys that everybody's like, yeah, he's really talented. But Rick was taking all them dudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When I think about Earl and I think about DC and T-Will, you know, we won't talk about Andre McGee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Out of Moreno mm. Valley, California, <laughs> mm. but you know what though, and, and you know what the, the you know what's the popular thing or the the thing that's true that nobody ever talks about because they hate Andre McGee so much now. Okay, and and, and this is the guy's honest truth, and I really mean this. Andre McGee, as a player, okay, I don't want to talk about his ridiculously stupid things he did as a coach. But as a player, Andre McGee was the blueprint that Rick Pitino used to win the championship because Andre McGee was the first undersized, small, ridiculously tough on-the-ball defender, and his abilities to pressure the ball really incentivized and made Rick Pitino want to go to that up-tempo, like, pressure defensive style, which you know ended up initially bringing you Peyton Siva and Russ Smith. And, and and McGee's defensive style, he was the first one that really, really became that pest, you know, 90-foot defender. 
You know, I'm going to have to take your word on that because I have blacked out any memory of, yeah. of one Andre McGee. Yeah, I mean, McGee, McGee's on-ball defense, man. Like, like with that team, you know, with that T-Wheel team, his defense was absolutely tremendous. And, and that's the, 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 the most unfortunate thing about him and, and the way that whole thing went down is that I really do believe that, like, a lot of what ended up ultimately becoming a championship team, his abilities defensively and that DNA is really what you, Rick Pitino wanted to look for to make the hallmark of his teams because, like, that was the thing. It's like, you know what? I tried to go with the super talented knuckleheads. It didn't work. But I tell you what, Dre on the ball was a monster. I need to find that with a little bit better offensive ability, uh-huh. and maybe we have something. And like I said, that ended up becoming the Russ and Peyton duo. You know, and, and it just—it's always been unfortunate. That's one of those things that, hmm. that you know, Andre has become a bad word no, <laughs> in the city. But but like he really was the blueprint that Rick Pitino used to build our championship. Like and you can you can hate him and you can like dislike him and yes he made ridiculously terrible decisions and it cost Louisville everything, um, even though truthfully it shouldn't have like the banner should have never gotten pulled down no but but you know put it, it back it up important. seriously what what's stopping them from putting it back up now I I know we don't want to start this conversation <laughs> but just hypothetically what's stopping them. Right? I mean, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Even if you just put up a banner that says 2013 champions, you don't have to have NCAA champions. Mm-mm. You don't have to do that. So nothing, literally, is, is keeping them from doing that. And I do think that at some point the records will be restored, and I think that all that's going to happen at, at some point here in the future. But nothing. I, I mean, you know, I, I think that that team deserved recognition. Um, I, I – I, Continue to say that you know all the only reason Louisville got in trouble is because they didn't inv- invite any regular students. To that's what man. That's what I'm still so angry that's just about. Ridiculous, I, like, Rashawn. I yelled and screamed and possibly threatened maybe uh, some of the producers at the old station who were current students at U of L, and I said, "Man, you will never have to pay for a drink in this city if you march outside, stand out with a microphone, and scream." I was at the Shake Club in uh, Minority too. Yeah, that's it. So all you got to do is come out there and be like, I was personally invited and I was there. I seen it, Rashawn. I seen it. <laughs> I was right there. You know what I'm Had saying? a stack that's full it. of dollars. Yeah, it's making it rain. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, like, and that's it. Like, it, it just, it's, it's, so, it's unfortunate because it, like NCAA way overreached their own power. Mm-hmm. They did not have the power to pull that down for that violation, and they did it anyway. Just because they didn't like the they the, the unseemliness. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was that was another one when when uh, when one of the officials used the term "this is grotesque." Well, it, it may be, but most schools use their co-eds to do the exact same thing instead of paid help. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we outsourced. <laughs> Outsourcing was the difference. It's okay if you use your own. Yeah, it's got to be an internal hire. <laughs> You know, you know, but it's all good. But like I said, it, it should not have happened. But I will always say that, and and I give him credit for this. And like I said, he's a guy who only 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 time you ever hear Andre McGee is in negative terms. But he and I and I will go to my grave with this. He was the he was the blueprint for what led Louisville to their championship. So while for whatever you hate the fact that he did, he brought so much um, pain and 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 you know problems to the university what he did as a basketball player um mm. he he that that was his hallmark 
that was his hallmark because, you know, Peyton and, and Russ came in right after that, and they were both exactly, you know, because Andre was about 5'10", 5'11", super fast, great on-ball defender, was a pest. And, and that was what Rick Pitino looked for after that because that was the one thing that absolutely worked from that group with T. Will and Earl Clark, D.C., out of that, you know, that, that run that they had. And, and that was the only thing, that was the only part of that team that he really kept for that next generation of player. Um, you know, so I, I do give him credit for that. And I will always give him props for that. And that's one of the things that, of course, you know, that's my brand. I, I will say the things that are unpopular or that. <laughs> you well, know. I'll give him his due. I mean, he was a three-star recruit, but he's a five-star Uber driver from what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> That's cold. That's cold, money. <laughs> uh, man, we cold. all got to eat. That's cold. Uh, you know, absolutely. You know, I, I, it's tough, man. I, I just, I hated it for him. Um, you know, and I hated the way that whole thing went down. But you just got to be smarter than that. The man. unpopular thing that I will say is that I felt bad for him because he was just trying to make a move, and he thought that it would it would further his career. And it's just like bonehead. You you have no idea how, how like oh. this is bad, bad. You idiot. Yeah, but you weren't doing. You know what I mean. I guess that's why when you go to when you when you're charged with a crime, there's intent matters. Well, well did you see what, <laughs> you know what I mean? Did you see what happened with? Well, you know. And speaking of that, did I, I don't know. Did you see the? I, I don't know if it was on Instagram. I think it was on Instagram. The post that that um, Trez put out. You know, because Trez just got in all this trouble for going what, down there to, to, to Richmond. Did what you see now? That? Because I saw the night before he got he got arrested. He was talking about launching a sneaker company or something i mean like i what, what's he up to now on instagram well, I, I i saw that you know in regard and, and you know he he basically just put out all this trouble because i was going to grab something for miles so apparently oh, oh good grief man <laughs> i was like wow that that is a wild locker room just you've got <laughs> you've got young you've got the youngest ball who's dating Adult actresses, <laughs> you out in the open. You've got Miles out there. Whoo, Miles needs needs to rein it in, man, because he's starting to. Yeah. I mean this, man. Like he's starting to look like one of those examples of. Remember that guy who got the huge contract, and then his buddies got him sent up. Right, right, and, and apparently, you you know, the trends. Like I, I just I saw that, and you know, and, but apparently, you know, he kind of threw Miles under the bus, and basically was like, yeah. That wasn't for me. I was going to make a run for my man over here, and now I'm caught up in all this foolishness. I mean, it's still dumb though, and there's no excuse for it. Like, what, what do y'all do? What do you? Why are you? Why are you the bag man, Trez? Like, <laughs> th this is the problem, guys. Right? Like, Miles has to have a homeboy that yeah. when they get pulled over. Everybody throws stuff on him. Yeah, you know, don't don't if if you have anything that you can lose, I'm gonna suggest you don't do make that that. Movie. Wasn't it Chris Carter that got in trouble for that when he when he said he said live on television? Everybody's got to have a fall guy. Yeah, you got to have a fall guy. He takes the gun when y'all get pulled over. <laughs> now I'm not gonna go that far with it, but yeah, man, you shouldn't be the fall guy for a teammate when you're you've like, been in contention for sixth man of the year and yeah. and. Mm. I mean, that's just. Uh, that's I wonder if Trez gets picked up. 
I mean, I, I really do. He's a great. He's he's a good player. Well, he's still on the contract with with the Hornets. The Hornets have not released. They him. have not. Okay. That the, he is he is still on there. They they said they are allowing uh, the wheels of justice to turn. Um, so you know okay. they, they they have not said anything about releasing him or or doing any of that stuff. So it'll be interesting to see because I mean you know Trez was very successful there, and I know that you know Michael Jordan is ready to 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 win. Yeah, he's ready to put a product out there. He's got Lamelo Ball. You're only gonna be able to keep him in house so long at you know in a small market you know he's got you know six to seven years tops and you got a kid who's already showing a lot of ability um you know in in year two uh you know you you got you got to take advantage of that and Trez was a guy who you know worked and Miles Bridges you know for all the stuff ridiculousness that he's doing off the court he's a you know He's got ability. P.J. Washington, you know, is, is playing well for that team. So, I mean, they have some guys. They need a a another superstar, um, you know, which is why I, I've said that, you know, I thought that the Hornets uh, may be one of those understated teams that may try to make a move. You know, of course, it didn't work out bringing uh, – uh, Gordon Hayward. Uh, yeah, bringing Hayward over. Um, you know, that, that, that didn't work. Um, but I think that Jordan is – Definitely looking to maximize the Lamelo Ball years while he has. Absolutely, him. he better. You know, so I, I I don't think he's right now in the business of like they're going to try to do everything they can to keep Miles Bridges and Montrez Harrell on, on roster if they can. I'm just going to put it to you like that, in, in my personal opinion. Yeah, because Jordan wants to win, yeah. and, and you know that <laughs> Jordan the, the, with his handling of of Dennis Rodman and his thoughts on Dennis Rodman, uh, you know, the willingness to go out there and win. Kind of trumps everything. So uh, it looks like we are actually getting a call into the uh, Wake Up 502 buzz line. So I'm going to go ahead and answer this call, and we're going to see who is on the line with this. Uh, caller, you're on the line. What's your name and uh, what you got for us this morning? Man, you know who it is, Sean. Hey, what's going on, Wayne? How you doing, brother? I'm good and you, man. How you doing? Man, I'm doing all right. You know, me and Joe uh, chopping it up this morning, talking about the 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 uh, the, the blotter <laughs> in, in the NBA and <laughs> all yeah. the, the 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 villains and the people that drive you crazy this morning. How are you doing, man? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, one one thing that came to my mind is one of the uh, most gut wrenching losses in U of L basketball history. It, it hurt my heart when when. Uh, Terry Howard missed that free throw back in '75 when Louisville was the best team. Oh yeah, remember that? I, I, I that that was before Wayne. That was before I was born. But I have heard oh, that story. I have heard that Man. story. Sean, that that hurt. He had missed a free throw all year long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That hurt. I can't imagine. That one hurt. <laughs> Yeah, that because that, 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 that was against that was that against UCLA uh, when when he missed the free throw. Uh, who were they playing? Yeah, yeah it was against UCLA. Richard, Richard Washington was, went in the corner and of course hit the jumper. <laughs> of course, to win the game, and wow. that that hurt. I, I can't I can't ever forget that game, but it was a tremendous contest. But that that hurt, Ooh. and then and then most and then most, in, in most recent times. The, the the Louisville lost to UK after having an eighteen point lead. <laughs> that hurts. Oh, that one, yeah. They, they could have They could have been back to back. Yeah, and, you know, and you know, I heard you earlier talking about uh, uh, if Peyton Seaver hits that three, Kentucky's too. They don't win nothing. I mean, I, I I play that back in my head so many times, Wayne, to just say, what if? Like I remember it, Louisville down to with the ball. 
Peyton gets, you know, they, they rotate, wheel it around, top of the key, wide open. Oh. Right. We we've had some we've we've had some some, some gut wrenching and, and, and players, I can go back, man, re- remember when Don uh Dewan Wee got hurt? Oh yeah. Oh that, yeah. Well I heard that US uh, Reed. I heard that US Reed shot yeah, at eighty three. I, I was, or was, that I was, I was, was in the Navy, man. I was I was selling the seven seas. I was out in the Pacific. <laughs> when, <laughs> I said, "Oh no!" <laughs> I, 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 I was out in the Pacific, man. And I, I think about the time when when the Jab got hurt. Larry Williams. Yes, sir. That hurt. They had a hell of a team that year too, and he got hurt. We were, and, and then you can even go back in, in most recent times when uh, what was his name? Uh, uh, all the guard. Uh, what was that boy's name? He got hurt. Uh, Preston knows. Mm-hmm. When he broke knows. his foot. Yeah, yeah. And then, and and, and I'll never forget the massive performance of uh, uh, Kenneth Reed from Morehead. Yeah. All in, all in rebound. That was St. Patty's Day on a Saturday. Uh, it was one of the very first games of the tournament. Like it was one of those early noon tip offs and. Man, my my plans were shot by two thirty. Absolutely, yeah. We we we've seen we've seen some stuff, man. Yeah, Preston knows but, uh, twisting his ankle, man, in that game, and, and and watching, you know, Moorhead. I can't remember the guy's name. That guard for 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 Moorhead, who just hit everything. There's there was a game I want to <laughs> say it was against Cincinnati, and it would have been during the B.J. Flynn Bozak years, but we right. somehow yeah, managed. On the last shot of the game, we fouled them on a three-pointer. They got the and one, and they won by a point with no time on the <laughs> clock. Right. I think it was Cincinnati. Yeah. I think, but I just remember. I, I can't remember. But we 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 we've had some heartbreakers. Heart. Oh yeah. We, we would have to play the uh, the Jacksonville Heartbreak Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Hey, no, I, hey, I, I remember. I mean, especially in the nineties, you had just so. I, I remember. I think Louisville lost to Creighton one year. <laughs> they lost to Butler uh, one year. Right. Casey Calvary, I think, was on that that team. Uh, they lost to Xavier. Uh, that was early two thousands. Uh, Rick Pitino, I think Rick Pitino's first year mm-hmm. here, they lost to Xavier. Like, I just remember some of those losses, and it's like, fellas, what are we doing? <laughs> like, what, right, what, right. What, what are we doing? <laughs> exactly. Oh. Exactly. But that's why, that's why they call us the cardiac cards, man. That's it. <laughs> hey, so, 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 so Wayne, let, let, let me ask you. So, what is the one player um, that – you loved him because he was a cardinal, but you could not stand him <laughs> out on the court because well, he drove you crazy. You, the, 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 the person that sticks out in my mind above all the players yes. is T-Wheel. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> that's what I said, man. Because of that foolishness, and I do say foolishness, against Michigan State. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. That, uh-uh. He was ultra-talented, man. Yeah. He, he was a man. And, and that nonsense, man, I, I, I just, you know what I said, don't you? Yeah. I said, what kind of, is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? There's a lot of people that say that same thing about the, the, the uh, tournament performance of Cliff Rozier that, that mm. a lot of people don't talk about oh, no more. He was, another, he, was another, he was an enigma. Yeah. Chris uh, 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 Rozier. Yeah. Super talented. Uh, up and down. Tremendous. But we 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 we've seen we've seen we've seen the best of them here here at the Ville. 
Uh, but I was going to say one, one other thing about the uh, I didn't get the, uh, about the uh, the conference uh, uh, realignment. Yes, sir. I, I wish I wish they would just just you know they should have they should have went on with the twelve team. But the thing that I hurt uh, that I hate out of all of it is I I don't I, I get sick and tired of them giving no to shame preference. They haven't done nothing, and they will never win anything because you know they got the high academics. All that's well and good. But they can't get the great athletes, and they will never be able to compete with an Alabama or a Clemson. And they keep on giving this preference. And when they get when they get in that game, they get embarrassed. They get the brains beat out. And 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 either it, it and and I you know the, the the ACC should just just say look either y'all in or out. They don't want to share their their football money. Let them stay independent. Let them make all they can make, but they won't win a championship. And it's about it's about the ships. It, you know, they, no, I, I don't I don't like Notre Dame, and because I go back to the to to the days of Tyrone Willingham, the way they did that man, I've never forgotten that. He didn't have a losing season, and he was out after three years. Not a losing season, but that's that's a uh, a conversation for another day. Yeah, but Sean Haven, I don't know if Joe's in today. But you know, you know what I think about you, you three guys. You my guys, man. And we, we'll have to get together one day, man, and break bread or, or something. Absolutely, tailgates right around the corner, my man. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We've been together since y'all was down on Oak Street. I know it, man. We gotta get. We gonna get together soon, Wayne. Definitely. We got. You know, keep keep, keep it locked in. Trust me, brother. It's, it's gonna happen. Absolutely. We. we it, it's it's a it's a must. It's on the. It's, it's, it's Morgan Freeman and, and Jack Nicholson was in that movie on the bucket list. <laughs> oh, we, we got to do that. Yes. Before we leave this place. Absolutely. But as always, as always, guys, you know what I think about that. Y'all the best. You know I appreciate you. You know I love y'all dearly. Y'all my guys. And, and as always, and we say at the end of the day, go cards. Thanks, guys. There we go. You know what? Always good to hear from Wayne. Always, always. That that that, that is a uh, that is a good way. And and I'll say it again. Hour number one. I'll say it again. Yes, Open sir. invite to everybody at tailgate. It's tailgate season. Once tailgate season comes, you know that's that's my that that's my Valhalla. Yes. We smoke meats. We grill. We might have a couple of uh, adult beverages. Throw football around. We argue. We banter. And then we go watch the cards. Is there anything better than that? No. How, how you know what? How nervous is everybody for this Syracuse game to start the season? Like after mm-hmm. all this positive momentum mm-hmm. and all this sharing candy and kissing babies has been going on all off season. Are we going to turn into Road Randy Quaid in Syracuse. Major League? <laughs> or at the beginning, you know, everybody's all happy. Yes. But by week three, with the hats are inside out. Oh my gosh! You're, you're blacking out teeth on the Cardinal bird on your on all your stuff. Woo, fear and loathing in the city of Louisville in the 502. <laughs> Man, it's it's going down. You know what? Hour number two coming straight ahead. Rashawn Myers, Joe Kelly, Big X Sports Radio, 96.1 FM and 1458. We'll be right back.
was I had to laugh because Uncle Roy was definitely a hero that we could have been with. Not who made fun of. Did you know? Telling on yourself now. They had they. That was an interesting time, man. That was an interesting time. That was around. Uh, that was around the time that a young Joe Kelly got his first CD player. And I remember trying to play Warren G. Regulate, and this DJ and my buddy James always being like, "Man, play that all for one though." And I'm like, "I don't have that CD. I got it right here." And like, I swear, this kid rolled around middle school with the all for one CD in his cargo pocket. Like just, just ready for it. Fair. It messed me up though when, uh, when the country singer did the uh, country version of "I Swear" at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Did they? Did they? I'm gonna Google this now. Look at Rich out here rattling them off. Oh, that was them, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, man. We're digging in the crates of the early 90s uh, pop R&B. And that was still when, that was that was the time period right before uh, gangster rap really got mainstream. Yeah. It, it existed. I don't. I, I understand the timeline here. I know NWA had been around a long time before '92, but I'm just saying that was that was the time period where you still had Heavy D and the Boys. Innocent times, man. Innocent times. The economy was strong. We all had all for one CDs. We were all signing up for Columbia House uh, 13 CDs for a penny. How many people did you know that, that, that fell for that hustle or just got, I mean, got in so much trouble? I'm sorry, Rashawn, I can't hear you over these smooth sounds. Man, they took that Indian and flipped it. Got it. You got. There we go. See, look at look at there. I'm the Joe. Joe helped me. He's like, I can't hear you. Can you? I'm, am I good now? Yeah. Now, now you sound smooth, bro. Right, you, sound, you sound smooth. Wonderful. But once you started playing the PM Don, I I could just see you moving at your mouth. And I was like. <laughs> 
I'm missing content here. I can't. I know. Thank you. This this board. I will say this. This we're in the uh, we broadcast from the OG studios. What they like to call the OG studios on on uh, the the Rutherford show. But this the board the soundboard um, that that we utilize in here is. Ancient. <laughs> hey man, they sent a man to the moon using that equipment. You leave it yeah. alone. Yeah. So you know, it's, it's it's kind of one of those things that you know, a lot of times it'll get a little a little little janky. But you got to love PM Don, man. It was just, it was definitely a uh, a time of, uh, you know, it was it, it was a, it was a different time. Early nineties, man, it was awesome. Arrested so, Development. Anytime you can have a pop song where the guy says she wants to lick me like a lollipop. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just mm-hmm. it was, they they walked so uh, next could run. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we go 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 right back to the uh, the uh, Thorntons uh, text line four one four fourteen fifty. Um, uh, oh, <laughs> Didi says yes, Wayne. Uh, I totally agree with you. Absolute nonsense. I was at that Michigan State game, and it still makes me mad. Everybody is so mad at T. Will over that game. Like Louisville definitely should have went. To the final, wasn't that the year that, that was that was the number one overall seed? Yes. Obama picked us on his bracket, the number one of number ones. Yes, yeah. Rick Pitino always talks about that. Mm. The number one of number ones. <laughs> 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 he always talked about that team. That's a that's also a, a little known fun fact about that that's kind of been glossed over. That's where my absolute hatred for Tom Crean originated from. Oh, really? Yeah, because. He called his buddy Izzo up and said, hey, let me come help you all with practice to prepare for Rick's uh, press. So he came in. Really? Yeah, yeah. Went in and helped uh, Izzo and and Sparty gear up for for Rick. And I just, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But I was like, listen here, Creeny Tom. If you want to coach in March, win games in March. Well, win games in December, January, and February leading up to March. And then advance. When your team, when Marquette's done. So are you. Go recruit. Yeah, go sit down somewhere. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Have a seat, Tom. You know, I, that, that that team, man, like that, there's just so many. It, it's just so funny. that It always seems as a sports fan, you always remember the losses much more than you remember the wins. The only time I ever cried, you know the only time I ever cried as a Louisville fan? Like, like my Louisville fanhood drove me to tears. Hmm. Only time ever happened. Hmm. Ever happened. Uh, 1996. Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan. He traveled. Traveled and then hit the shot. Yep. Like, that's the only time that my fanhood it it hurt so bad. Yeah, that I was I was I was distraught. <laughs> I think that's when I gave up expecting nice things. <laughs> because in hindsight, I've been able to get over that loss yes. by saying they had Wake Forest had a generational player. You know, Tim Duncan, that's just what happens. Yeah. You know, yeah. the generational players should always win out, right? Yes. At the time, though, I really thought David was going to knock down Goliath. Yeah. I wanted a rematch with UK. Mm-hmm. I just wanted that rematch because they whooped our tail so bad that year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? D.A. Duncan all on Nate Johnson's head <laughs> <laughs> to start the game. <laughs> and just embarrassed. I wanted that rematch so bad. And all we had to do was get by goofy old Tim Duncan and Wake Forest. And I was like, dude, we get our rematch. We get, you know what I'm saying, get another shot at the champ. And it's always hard to beat a good team twice. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and then to lose to that Wake Forest team, I was hurt. I was hurt. Like that 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 is one game. Oh, I like that's the only time that's ever happened. Like, of course, you know, I was younger, but man, it it it, it that one hurt my heart. It, that it that really that did. was the first time I remember being numb after a game. Yeah. Just didn't know what to what to do, and, and yeah. I remember my dad saying, "If you let one fly, it's okay this time, but don't let your mother hear." <laughs> and you know, I mean, it's like I, 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 every young man remembers that first time your dad let let you drink a beer <laughs> or drop an f bomb. Right, right. You know, and that it was it was that day. Two birds, one stone. Oh man, I'm telling you, you know, long suffering Louisville fans. But you know, I mean, but that, and, but that's always been the, the the Louisville thing. That's why you know, I've you know, everybody always talks about you know, we can get all these players and we can get all these awesome players, and that really never, that never really appealed to me when when looking at a coach. You know, when you go back to the Kenny Payne stuff, it's like people keep talking about, oh, with Kenny Payne, we can get all these players. Louisville basketball has built its brand on being the giant killers and taking the pelts of the of the best players in college basketball and future NBA Hall of Famers and putting their tails on the sideline. That's literally how we've made our brand is by knocking down the Goliath. So I don't care if we get the Goliaths because the Goliaths have never been a part of what we do. Having great college players. Yeah. Great college players that are going to go pro in something else. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's just how we built our brand. So, like that never appealed to me. Hearing that we can get these, uh, the, you know, this bushel full of five stars, just I never really cared. I think a lot of that stems though from from, and and it's not unhealthy. I mean, I I totally get it. Think about when when Charlie Strong was here, and we loved touting how many NFL players we were producing year in and year out. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that is a little rivalry effect. When you you look at the NBA and you say they got a player on every team, every team, some yeah. of them they have two or three, <laughs> several. Yeah, and we have Don and Terry and Trez. True and Gorgie. But we, you know, I, I mean, I, I think that. But there know, was a big stretch there in between during the Rick tenure where he didn't have anybody in the league. Oh yeah, it was basically like Francisco Garcia <laughs> and nobody. <laughs> King man, like, king of the fleece. Yeah, hey, I we love to see it. Hey, I'm telling you, man. You know, what I'm saying Cisco, that, that that was my dude. I still I have one of his jerseys. I still have a Francisco Garcia, uh, Sacramento Kings jersey in, in the crib. Yeah, it's gold. It's nice. Oh, nice. It's a gold gold Kings jersey. Gold. Yeah, with the I remember trim. those. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah, with the cursive Kings across yep. it. Yeah, yeah man. Like, when he went on that stretch, and and I remember talking to buddies about he's in a contract here and he is playing like it. He had a stretch towards the end of the season, man, yeah. where he was he was killing it. That's how he got the contract with Houston and, Rockets. And Sacramento yeah. gave him the bag, man. Yeah. And then and it was one of those contracts yeah. where I said, "Who, who cares?" Because it's guaranteed money in the NBA. It's not like that. Those contracts in the NFL that they they're printed on toilet paper. Yeah, they'll cut you and tear it up and give you ten percent and say, "See you, <laughs> good luck in Detroit." Uh, NBA, you signed that deal, man. Somebody's got to honor the contract. Yeah, that's it. You know what I mean? That's or, what I said about Reese Gaines. You know what I'm saying? People talk about Reese Gaines being a bust. I'm like, you do understand that this man was a lottery pick, mm-hmm. right? So even though you can laugh at him and say, oh, he was a bust in the NBA, he didn't do anything, this man got three years guaranteed of NBA first-round money. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. do you understand is how it, life-altering that is? Yes. I mean. Literally. He, yeah, he got his seed money for whatever yeah. he wants to do in, in this world. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he got that bag. You can never. I think he got like $15, 16000000 million. 
Reese is one know. of those guys where it just it was odd to me that he didn't find the right spot. Well, because the, I, I, you know, I mean, we've talked about this before. The, yeah. the the thing the thing about making it in a professional league is that there are only so many superstars. Yes, there are only so many no brainer. You plug this guy into any system, and he's going to be effective. Yeah, but the leagues are littered with guys that they fit that scheme, that particular fit, especially in football. You know, mm-hmm. especially there. Mm-hmm. And that's where the the adage comes in, unless you are a Peyton Manning, you know, unless you're, I guess right now a better example would be Arch Manning. Everybody yes. expects he's going to be the hands down number one pick in three years. Did you see the quote about Arch Manning? Huh. <laughs> Says <laughs> one unnamed uh, talent evaluator <laughs> said if his name oh. was Arch Jenkins oh. and not Arch Manning. He'd be an unrated three-star player. Wow. <laughs> Look, have you watched much like, of him? Oh, wow. I haven't. I've I watched haven't. a I, I haven't watched enough to give you a fir- a firm this is my take on on his play. Yes. I haven't seen anything though that jumps out. <laughs> I'm not I'm not kidding you. And I wondered the same thing. Is this is this a legacy? Follow um, a banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> hey man, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I saw that. I saw that quote the other day. They said he would probably be an unrated three star quarterback if his name wasn't Manning. I mean, at this point, Lamar Jackson should consider changing his last name to Manning <laughs> if, if he cares about these top ten rankings. And, and uh, hey, you know what? And that that was actually going to be right. My my next. Uh, See what I did there. I, I like that. I set like up. that. I had it all set up. I'm, I, I have, you know. And for anybody who doesn't know, um, and, and or at least you've heard a little bit about what's going on, um, you know, L- Lamar Jackson has been in the news this week because <laughs> um, there was a a poll done, and they said the way they put it out there, they said 2022 quarterback rankings according to league executives, coaches, scouts, and players. So this is some sort of poll where they just asked a bunch of people that that are in NBA front offices as well as players. Um they said that they they put out their top 10 quarterbacks. I wish we had the 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 the, the drum roll. So uh at number 10, you had Dak Prescott, Dallas Cowboys. Number 9, the man who can't keep his hands to himself, Deshaun Watson. Hasn't played in a year and won't play for at least what Four weeks. He's looking at yeah. bare minimum four games. But he's number nine in uh, on this poll and number one in your heart. And number apparently. one in your heart, yeah. <laughs> uh, number eight, the man, the myth, the legend himself that just got traded to the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson. Number seven, the man who's literally not won anything but just looks good throwing the ball and is tall and statuesque, Justin Herbert. Number six. The guy who just got traded from the Detroit Lions had his redemption story, now sits at number six in the overall quarterback rankings, Matthew Stafford. Now we're going to the top five. The kid that has taken the NFL by storm. Led the Bengals in only his second year coming off a major knee injury to the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow at number five. Number four, the ageless wonder himself. The man who didn't even know if he was going to play again this year, but finds a way to just strap his tape, <laughs> duct tape his body together and keep playing. Tom Brady at number four. Number three, the dual threat, 
monster himself up in Buffalo, Mr. Josh Allen. Number two, Steph Curry on the football field. The pretty boy himself, Mr. Patrick Holmes. And number one, with a bullet, the crazy person that is Aaron Rodgers. I don't even know what to – he's – that. you see that tattoo he got? Man, that tattoo, it, like, <laughs> did he get it at Hot Topic? <laughs> First of all, and, and like another thing – that tattoo thing. opens like a portal to another dimension oh, somewhere it, it, in, the, yeah. in the Aztec ruins. Man, that's a, that's a load screen <laughs> from Assassin's Creed. <laughs> That's not like the other thing too is didn't this cabbage head tell us he didn't get the vaccine because he was scared of needles? <laughs> right. I I have no ink. Okay, that's a that's a fun fact about me. No tattoos. Yes, I've got I've been with plenty of friends while they got work yes. done, and I know that took more than one jab that I got when I got vaccinated. Oh, it does. I have three of them. That was that was many a needle jab to get that that yes. tapestry painted uh, on his forearm. Yeah. I, was, have you seen his? Have you seen the, the lady he's dating? No, man. I think our man might have gone like full on. Co- he might have COVID brain now. <laughs> um, is, is he? How like, do I put this politely? She's a white woman with dreads. Oh, okay. So he did the whole um uh, um um uh what, what what's her name um Angelina Jolie from uh what was the speed movie the um, yes uh, yes the, the the car driving movie um, uh Gone in sixty God, seconds yes <laughs> so he he went for Angelina Jolie. Well, but the Gone thing was, seconds. but the thing is, she don't look like Angelina Jolie. Okay, <laughs> I'm not. You know, I'm not gonna make. I don't know the woman, but uh, if if you showed up, okay, if I had, if I invited you over to a cookout and you said, "Hey, I'm gonna bring my my lady friend. I've been I've been <laughs> Rashawn. I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I might have a conversation with you the next day about are you good." because this seems like a cry for help brother and we've all been there and and this is what friends do but what do you need right now because she's got crazy vibes really Mm. so like she probably has a necklace with his blood in it oh yeah they're definitely doing that stuff yeah they're doing that crazy caucasian behavior yes that stuff that 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 friends or cousins or or people i'm i'm adjacent to doing i said well Guys, I regret to inform you, but my delegation is at it again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, just smelling like cabbage and patchouli. <laughs> oh, God. So this is your top ten quarterbacks. One name that was notably missing from that top ten list was the man, the myth, the legend, the MVP himself, Mr. Lamar Jackson. And you know who caught the brunt of it? Mr. Bernard Pollard. Yeah. <laughs> on Twitter the other night. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Lamar's got hot ones for everybody, and and Bernard, you know what I'm saying? You're just the first. Like y'all, y'all gotta understand. Like this is the <laughs> thing about Lamar. Lamar chooses peace, <laughs> right? But understand that this man is not afraid to pick up the sword if needs be. <laughs> when he told, I mean, it was like there were about ten tweets, I believe. Yep. But the one that the, the one that made me just drop my phone and go ah was when Lamar said, "Bro, I didn't even know who you were. I had to Google you." And then somebody sent and then somebody sent him a video from uh, in the Super Bowl. Yes, and he said, "Wait, that was you, thirty one. I remember screaming at you when I was watching that Super Bowl. Damn you!" <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Sometimes we just wake up and choose violence, but I mean, you know what? I mean, but this is this is the whole thing, man. With this whole, 
Um, you know, th- this whole Lamar Jackson, it is a very ca- – the NFL, it's very funny because the more I look at the way Lamar Jackson's been handled, I think that – and you can – you can you don't have to necessarily walk down this road with me. I know you are always okay telling me I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. But I really and truly believe that the NFL has – since Lamar got in there, his decision to not take an agent and not do the thing that everybody else does, I feel like it has been a pointed attack <laughs> to make everything for him as hard as possible. And, and I the really NFL is all that. about conformity and getting in line. I yes. mean, it's it's as military as you can get without joining the military. <laughs> And I do. I think. I think. Like. I feel like a lot of the hating that that, that goes on with him g- goes back to that. The fact that the NFL is still trying to, you know, punish the him, NFL. Is, the NFL is still the league, and and we keep. I keep bringing him back up, but it's still the league that their darling poster boy Peyton Manning got fined, got mm-hmm. fined for wearing black cleats in honor of Johnny Unitas because they said it's a uniform violation. Yeah, that's how that's how by the book the NFL is. The NFL doesn't give a damn if, how your court case plays out. Yeah, they Roger Goodell has done this in the past. He said, "I don't care that the charges were dismissed. You embarrassed the brand, therefore you get a four game suspension." I mean, people talk about the fact that Lamar Jackson's not been able like that. Everybody's wondering why has the Ravens not? You know, why are none of the high quality free agent wide receivers coming? to the Baltimore Ravens. I look back at it, all these guys are, you know, usually these guys get directed and they're, um, you know, the, the, how they sign, their agents negotiate a lot of that stuff before it ever gets to that point. I really and truly think that once again, I feel like because Lamar doesn't have an agent, maybe all those guys are being motivated to suggest their guys go other places. Like, I really and truly believe that it is a – concerted intentional effort to make everything for Lamar Jackson as difficult as possible. I really do. So two things about that. First of all, I think Baltimore is going to have to kind of get some, there's going to be some luck involved in it. And what I mean is they're going to need to find in the draft and they don't grow on trees, unfortunately, but you need to find a a wide receiver with a mindset of Heinz Ward. You got to have a guy, and then I don't know how you – I do not know how you structure the contract, but you have to put blocking incentives in there because you're never going to catch 120 footballs most likely in that offense at at the wide receiver. It's just not going to happen, especially not when they run that too tight inset. No. So you're not going to get your money on on yards and receptions. So you need to figure out a way to to implement blocking, which would be probably a first time, I would would assume – that's yeah. ne- there's well, never but, been but caveats I, I, like but, that. But you know what? I'll say, you know what? I'll look, I'll give you the example of Hollywood Brown. Mm-hmm. Hollywood Brown had ample opportunity well, yeah. to be a, a – Don't know, sleep on Rashard Bateman, coach. man. Do not sleep on Bateman. Oh, he was I, hurt I, as I a rookie. That, he was my favorite receiver in that draft. I, I think Bateman definitely has an opportunity. Um, and to, I think that's why they moved on from one. Hollywood. I agree with you. I, I Like, I, I was looking – I'm just talking about more – even if they could have got a second-tier – wide receiver that's good but not great. Mm-hmm. Like they literally didn't bring in anything, but they drafted two tight two more tight ends, two or three tight ends yeah. in, in this year's NFL draft. Like it's just very odd. Like I feel like the Ravens are making a lot of mistakes in terms of I feel like everything that they did at the beginning. Like I, I don't I think personally 
even the Ravens are messing up with their handling of Lamar Jackson because I think they feel like they 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 see this need to have to do this whole you know, 85 tight ends and run the ball because this is what Lamar does. I think that Lamar has a lot more growth ability, and I think that if you put him into a standard West Coast-style offense, he would be fine if that's what he did. But I think that they almost feel like they have to be this niche kind of, you know, we're going to just run the option. I really like Harbaugh, man, and I think he's sold on Lamar, and I would think it's more of a faith in Lamar because nobody's, nobody criticized the Patriots for never drafting a wide receiver. Yeah, Tom Brady just made fools look look amazing. That's true, but but you and know, I the, think they look. I think they are going to look at their passing attack, and it's the reason why they have multiple tight ends. Is we are going to be a sum of all parts attack. There's I, not a there's not going to be a one dog that eats. I, I don't disagree with you, but I, I can't remember which wide receiver it was. But uh, it was one of the wide receivers that played for the Ravens two years ago. That's no longer on the team. I can't remember the guy's name. Um, but he said that it's your boy that signed with Oakland um, or Las no, Vegas. I, I think he signed with uh, the. Ravens. I can't remember the light skinned guy. Um, yeah, he signed with uh, with the Raiders. Oh, okay. He signed with your okay. team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, um, uh, can't remember his name. I can't but. think of his name. Um, but he said that the, the his the biggest problem he had with the the Ravens offense. He said the biggest problem is Greg Roman, the the offensive coordinator. He said the reason being is he said that the the um, route trees mm-hmm. that the receivers run in the Ravens are like. 25 years old. He said that the, the the nuance that goes into running routes at the NFL level, this level, he said that everything that the Ravens run in terms of passing routes and passing trees are elementary. Okay, so what's what what's the problem in Oakland because or in Las Vegas because he's been out there for two years and we can't even remember his name. Yeah, <laughs> so no, I mean, you, you know what I mean. No, it's, it's, that's fair, but I mean you know th- there is amount of sophistication that goes into the passing sure. game at the NFL level at this point, and you have to I, evolve. This is the thing. It, because the, the same thing happened with Greg Roman with uh um what what, what what's his name with uh, uh um uh Kaepernick yeah when, when he was out there with the uh, 49ers is that they had to move along from Greg Roman because while Greg Roman did a good job of installing something that would work for Kaepernick and utilize his mobility like there's a cap on how much his imagination grows with advancing with the NFL as things improve and things uh, mature and and, and, uh, evolve. And that's kind of the limitation with Greg Roman. And and I really do. I think that the Ravens have held held on to Greg Roman two years too long. Like, I I think that he was there for a season, and he was there to put together the framework of what can help best – feature what Lamar does but once you get that base I -hmm. think they needed to move on to him to keep that foundation but now let's add the passing nuance that Lamar needs to be successful passer okay that's fair and and I think that's the kind of the biggest issue is that the Ravens are basically just trying to go back it's kind of like you know the uh, new addition is still trying to do the same dance moves sure 25 years later you know what I mean it's like you gotta grow or the game's going to go you back because you can only do the same thing for so long before the NFL figures it out. And I think that's kind of been the Ravens are basically just trying to replay the hits over and over and over and over again. That, that may be. Uh, I know we've got to go to break, so I'm going to leave you with this question to yes, ponder sir. during the break. And, yes, and texters or callers can chime in on this as well. I love it. Because I, I'm almost embarrassed to even make this comparison. But talking about Lamar and, and the way he's treated and the way he's handled. You know who I was watching the other night in the summer league? And said, you know, I'm guilty of doing this. 
I'd discredit whether or not Chet has a snowball's chance in hell to make it in the NBA. <laughs> not based on his on-court performance because he puts up numbers. Based on the fact that he doesn't pass my eye test and he does it differently and he doesn't look the way that I think a center's supposed to look. Yeah. Do you feel like Chet Holmgren might be getting a little Lamar? Uh, we've never seen this before, so it can't work. I, I is that fair or unfair? I, you know I know, I man. To, I, think we, about it. I'm gonna think about it. Hey, you know what? You listen to Wake Up 502. We got one more segment. This day has flown by already, but we got one more coming at you here. Big Exports Radio 96.1 FM. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Wake Up 502. Rashad Myers, Joe Kelly, take care of you this morning. Here in the Ville, uh, J- July 16, 2022. It, it is, the, the fall is right around the corner. It's still hot as all get out outside, but definitely it's starting to feel and smell like football, man. I cannot wait. I'm super excited about it. Um, talked a little bit of uh, uh, Louisville in the first hour, talking a whole lot about the things that drive us crazy, the people that drive us crazy, uh, having a nice little chat about Lamar Jackson. Had a great chat during the break there, just kind of talking about, um, you know, when guys do it differently, how it can kind of <laughs> go against our sensibilities when we look at what we've known to be the status quo, and that was a good question about, um, you know, uh, about uh, uh, what's his name, the big guy, Chet, um, Chet Holmgren, um, you know, and the way he's doing things with o- Oklahoma City Thunder, and you know, can that work with a guy that skinny, um, you know, kind of being a facilitator? It's going to be interesting. I- I'm gonna say this. Um, you're first of all, yes, you do sound like a, a lot of the, the the general managers and people that say that Lamar doesn't look like, doesn't talk like, and does not act like what we expect our you know signal callers and guys to be. Um, and I think that Chet definitely gets some of that. I think he, you know, it's kind of the whole thing to why you know my son always asked me, Dad, why is Trey Young the bad guy of the NBA? I said, What do you mean? He said he's always talking crap and he's always kind of you know doing bows to the crowd and just kind of. I said, Son, you got to understand. <laughs> I said Trey's a little guy, you know. He's kind of funny looking. His hair is kind of funny looking. He's just a diff- different type kid. And I said, You got to understand, people like Trey 
and Chet probably got, you know, getting heckled mercilessly by every opposing fan base. And it's probably been that way because they really good at basketball since they were little, little, little bitty. Mm-hmm. So you get a type of armor that gets built up, and you can either determine that you're going to wilt from it and just try to act like it doesn't bother you at all, or you're going to lean into it and play in, you know, play into it and just have that swag and be kind, kind of become like, I don't care if I'm the bad guy or I'm going to throw it in your face. I said, and that's I, – I see that swag with Trey Young. And I see that same swag with Chet Holmgren. Like, Chet leans into it. He's fearless. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that chain he was rocking at, uh, at, on draft night? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, this isn't your typical Chet. No. No, Chet, Chet Holmgren leans into it. He wants that smoke. Mm-hmm. And he wants that smoke from everybody. And, and I, I don't know if he can make it. Um, I, I think that, you know, Kenneth, Kenneth Lofton Jr., uh, the big – uh, nimble dancing bear that is the rookie for the the Memphis Grizzlies, who you know who goes probably six eight six seven and a half six eight, but probably weighs two hundred and seventy two hundred eighty pounds. Mm-hmm. He kind of did what I think some guys are going to do to Chet and just kind of use their physical size to just basically bully ball him. Um, but that being said, Chet has a lot of tools. He has a lot of tools. If you can keep him out of the paint. Except to come in as like you know a rim protector who's not actually bodying up on on your five. If he can just come over on on backside, he's got a wingspan, man. He can block shots uh, offensively. Keep I him out on the perimeter. Four man, yeah. I yeah, think he's more of a four man. The best thing that could five. happen to his career, Oklahoma City's uh, basically for the next three years in the draft, it's just going to be Utah and Oklahoma City drafting it, uh, yeah. like all the picks they have. They they're collecting all of them. Uh, the best thing is if Oklahoma City can mess around and win that lottery and get get Victor, yeah, the seven footer from France, you know, seven oh, foot gosh. three. Let him play the five. Yeah, let Chet play off that and and hang out on the perimeter. And man, that's a twin towers that's not like anything we've ever seen because they're both seven footers with outside game. Yeah, I mean, I I really do. I, I think that Chet's definitely more of a four than a five. A lot like Dirk, uh, you know. Like mm-hmm. I I think that he is a guy who I don't know if he shoots it as well as Dirk, but I mean his numbers that were impressive uh, in summer league. I mean, shooting forty seven percent from the field, shooting I think forty five percent from three. <laughs> Ridiculous. You know? I mean, just efficient. You know, what I'm saying he's not. He wasn't a big scorer. He was only averaging about twelve points per game. So he was definitely more of a facilitator, setup guy. Um, but I, I do. I, I think that Chet. He showed me something in the summer league. But I mean, this summer league has been like there's been some guys like Jay Nivey yeah. showed off for the Pistons. Yep. Um, he showed really well. Keegan Murray yes. for the Kings yes. has been a monster. And I just want to clarify. And I definitely that, was making fun of him because he's an Iowa basketball player. Sure. I, I just want to clarify that I'm not anointing Chet anything. And no, I'm not comparing no. him, his game to Lamar's game in the NFL at all. I'm just saying that – and what I told Rashawn during the break was that I was watching him the other night and he, he blocked a shot and got the ball, you know, got the rebound off the block and, and pushed it, the ball himself. Yes. He started the break. And I was watching it with a buddy, and I said, "Man, this can't be. This can't work. What am I watching?" And it just it clicked with me. Oh, you sound like all the people that don't want to admit Lamar can do things differently than you've seen a quarterback do them. True. I, well, and, and I think the thing is, I I've kind of adjusted my like. I always looked at Chet as a five man. Like I, I thought he was going to play in the post, but he's not a five man. He's a four. He's a four or three. He's your modern big. 
He is, he is definitely big. a four or a three. He doesn't play in the post, so I think you have to play him with a big physical interior player. Um, you know, I think that's the only way it's going to work. Like, I don't think you can ever start him at the five and say go guard Joel Embiid or or, or or any of the other big physical post players uh, out there. You Bring know, back Steve Adams. Andre Drummond. Like, he's never, you know, Dwight Howard – would probably put a hole through Chet. <laughs> like, just like that's not going to work. But I think if you use him as kind of that help defender, yeah. as an off-the-ball four to kind of bother shots as as that help guy and then allow him to play on the perimeter because he does have the ball handling and, and passing ability to play that way, um, I think it can at least he can be successful. Like I said, oh. I, I, I don't know. And, you know, I always talk about um, Sean Bradley. Sean Bradley, like me saying that he could end up being Sean Bradley, I don't think that's necessarily a disc. Sean Bradley played in the league 12 years. Not just that, man. People love – Sean Bradley, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with this. He uh, he was almost paralyzed in a bicycle accident a few years ago. Oh, yes, I do remember that. Um, and he's not – I don't know that he's walking upright and fully mobile now. And he has a very – he's not better at all. He's a man of, of, of devout faith. Mm-hmm. And and that's sort of what he's you know that's what he's always leaned on, but they did a thirty for thirty short about him, and he talked about the fact that on the day that he announced his retirement, he really thought it was just in poor taste that ESPN decided to do the top ten all time dunks on Sean Bradley, and he said you know yeah everybody remembers the Alonzo morning dunk and the Vince Carter dunk and you know yeah I got postered, you know why. Because I never let somebody attack the rim while I yeah. was around it and not go after the ball. So, yes, while there are a highlight, there's a highlight reel of of me getting crammed on, and it's funny because I'm seven six. You know what they failed to mention at the time that I retired, I was sixth all time in the NBA on the block shots. Yeah, yeah. No, Sean Bradley so had you know, a successful he, career. That's the thing about getting dunked on. Doesn't happen to cowards. I mean, that's what Alonzo Mourning used to say. You know, people always talk about, man, you see, Alonzo Mourning used to always get dunked on. But you know what? Zoe was challenging everything. everything. Yeah, and you knew that. He, and and if you got one, if you got one on Zoe, I mean that you're talking about that in the locker room, yeah. buddies. And yeah. it's not, a, and you're not clowning Zoe either. You're saying I caught him. Yeah. Because yeah. Alonzo was a hell of a defender. He's a great defender, and he was never going to give you any. He believed in nothing easy in the paint. So uh-huh. you know what? When you do that and you're willing to always help, that's going to happen. But, I no, I, I totally agree with you. And, and that's why I said, you know, when I said that, you know, people say – I said he reminded me of Sean Bradley, and, and I think that some people thought that that was saying that he was going to suck or he was going to be a bust. But I don't look at Sean Bradley as a bust. Now, was he, you know um, – you know what? What was he? He was never an all star. Yeah, but, but the thing about bust that, that I think also, and and when you're talking specifically the NBA, a guy gets picked number two overall, he could be a bust, right? If that yes. same player gets picked ninth or tenth, you're talking about he's the steal of the draft, and he could have the same exact career. It's just it's interesting to me how it works out, and again that. that it all comes in, it, it all comes down to getting in the right fit, like we talked about earlier. You've got to find the system that works for you, the coaching staff that believes in you, the mm-hmm. teammates that get you the ball, where you like to get the ball. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, no, I, I, I'd be happy. I'd be. I'd have no problem being Sean Bradley today. Absolutely. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, that, that that's one of the things that you know I, I will say. Like when I said Sean Bradley, I never thought 
that that meant that he was going to be a bust. I just thought I think that physically there's only some limitations to what you can do, especially offensively, because when you're that tall, especially with as strong uh, as these guys are at the league, I think that I don't think that Chet will ever be a high high scorer unless he just becomes. Um, a phenomenal shooter, but to be able to get your shot off, especially at that size, like that's why Dirk was such a unicorn. Right. Like Dirk to be able to do what he did, it does take a certain level of strength that I don't know if Chet can get because he's so thin. Um, Dirk, you know, Dirk was still a, a, a decent sized guy. You know, he was still a pretty, pretty big guy. He could throw on a little weight. I don't know, like because his 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 shoulders are so slim and slinky. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if Chet's going to be able to have that, but I do think that he can be kind of that. Um, that AK forty seven, but better. You know who I? You know who I think the comparison you know? is to him. I think he could. AK forty seven was all defensive. Yeah, team a couple I, times. I, yeah. So I, I mean, that's Andre that's Kalinko high praise. Was a monster. Yeah, defensively um, especially. The guy that I look at that I, I say I think Chet could be a better version of Porzingis. Yeah, I can see that. I can see like like before it. the injuries and and I don't know what Porzingis' career is gonna gonna pan out to now. I was heartbroken when the Knicks let him go. Yeah, and then watched him in Dallas for a couple of years and said, Ugh, "Maybe we got the good end of that trade." Um, we'll like, see if he bounces back in Washington because now, you know, it's him and Beal. I mean, he's because I mean the, the the interesting thing about Chet is a he's a very good defensive player. Like he, he's he's very smart, but he's also very aggressive. So he gives you that. But then he's also definitely a point forward. Like he's more of a setup man. Like he looks, yeah. he likes to handle and pass the ball. You know what I'm saying? He's a guy who definitely could be a triple-double on any night type guy. Like, he, he could get you 12 points, you know, 10 boards, uh, you know, 10, 12 assists a night. Like, I think that he can be a guy who's constantly, you know, giving you a, a triple-double and flirting with a, a quadruple-double. You know, he may get a seven or eight, nine-block night. Uh, yeah. You know, like, I think that's who he's going to be. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be a 25, 27, 28-point-per-game guy like Dirk was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think he can be a point forward that's also a problem defensively. Yeah, usually 15, 8, and 8. Yes. And, yes. and, and, and two and, blocks. Yeah, absolutely. I think that he can do that and be, yeah. like, uh, an all an NBA all-defensive guy. And while we're talking about, you know, bust to, to boom, you know, people were ready. Look at the current NBA champions. Look at the last NBA Finals. People had all but written off Andrew Wiggins. They yeah. said he was a he was a bust. He wasn't this player that we were promised. And then you find out, oh, weird. It's almost like the teams that are always drafting in the lottery are drafting in the lottery for a reason because they're dysfunctional. Yeah. Well, you and, put him on a championship caliber team and and you give him a role. Yes. So what I'm saying is, just because you draft a guy at one or two doesn't mean you're getting the alpha dog. Absolutely. Doesn't mean you're getting your team captain. Absolutely. But you can get a damn fine role player for a championship team, and that's what Wiggins was this year. He was he was a high impact role player. He's a really good. You know, he can be a Robin the third or third option. option. Is the third option? Yeah. You're not going to find many better in the league, man. At, at the third option than that guy. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. Is like, you know, a lot of times expectations come with the number one seed that that means that, or the number one pick that you have to be the alpha go to guy. But, you know, some dudes are just that they're better in that role as a great role player mm-hmm. and being able to go in there and they have a very specifically uh, designed skill set that works for them. And, that, and that's fine. And I think that that's going to be Chet. Like, I don't think that Chet's ever going to be. Um, you know, an alpha go-to scorer, but that doesn't mean he can't be a, a great player, an all-NBA defender, and, and make several all-star games, you know? But I, I think that it's going to depend on health. 
and it's going to be it's going to continue to depend on growth and you know I, I think getting into the right situation we'll have to see the type of team that Oklahoma City can put around I know they have about 85 billion draft seriously picks. man <laughs> and they have some good young players there um Josh uh, Giddy Giddy is nice dude I'm you know you. and to get a kid uh, Plavlovich oh, or, or whatever his name is they have another big seven two guy yeah that they had from last year who was a rookie and they've nice also player. got they've also this is something that people are completely forgetting about and they'll trade this guy for more picks yes uh they have the current euro league mvp oh yeah i saw that but he's 26 or 27 yeah they said he's ready and to they, come to the nba now. he wants to come to the nba next season but yes. thunder said look we're going with a very young lineup. We're basically going with a college roster. Yes, Shy Gilchrist, Shy is going to be the oldest guy on the team at a at a at a yeah uh, stagnant age of twenty four. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, their rotation is guys eighteen to twenty four, and they're building for the future. So this guy doesn't really doesn't fit into that. Uh, that also is code word for me of we're tanking. Um, Absolutely. If we can if we can win with the young kids. Cool. Well, We're ahead of schedule. I, I think that's what the Jazz are doing. Absolutely. I, I think the Jazz have decided we want Victor Webayama. And, like, and and the funniest, the, the the joke that made me put Twitter down the other day, shout out to our man Troll Withers. He said, is it bad that I'm kind of pulling for the Jazz to actually win the lottery so they can draft Victor and he can be the greatest uh, uh, French center in Jazz history? <laughs> that's, that's just... That's just mean. Cold blood. That's that's just mean. I, we had a, a text into the to the uh, Thornton's text line, and I, apparently I saw some things going around. It says five zero two. What happened to Denny Crum? Um, he says I uh, I. He says is that why Haven is not here today? Uh, a Denny Crum's fine. They, uh, Susan Sweeney Crum actually put out a message on Facebook to say he's fine. Uh, you know he had been under the weather, but um, <laughs> so if there's anything going around out there, I just saw that that tweet that text in there, and I just wanted to. You know, everybody, they, they said that Denny is good. He was he was under the weather a couple of weeks ago, but he's good now. He's apparently you know having a enjoying a very nice morning. I drove uh, past campus the other day and saw the the new dorm, and I and I was telling a buddy, I am just so happy yes. and so pleased that I'm not happy with the way Rick departed. Yes, but I'm glad Denny got to see it happen. Absolutely, I'm glad because I've I've always said this. Denny is my coach. You better believe it. Uh, Rick Patino was a dude sitting in Denny's chair. That was that's just me. That's fine. okay. He was always UK's coach uh in red. That's I'm happy that Denny's getting his flowers and that we're writing some wrongs as a university. We're naming yes. some stuff after him and he's getting to see it in his lifetime because yes. nothing pisses me off more than revisionist history and saying now we now that this person's not here to appreciate it, let's honor him. No, 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 that's I, stupid. It's definitely better to be able to get your flowers, um, you know, while, while what, you're still here to see them. What, what Kanye say? Why you can smell them? That's it. That's it. Now, hey, now I did want to ask you, and we, we, I, I would have loved to have had longer to talk about this, but of course, um, it sounds like Donovan Mitchell, mm. looked like because of the the tank for Victor. I was man. I was see. I was distracting you so you wouldn't do this because you're not getting my hopes up. I. I, I I heard that it was almost a done deal Tuesday night. That's that's the rumor, man. I refuse to believe it though. But but if somehow where we does can Donovan still end have, up? I hope he. I, for New my, York or Miami? For his sake, Miami. For mine, New York. I would love to see him and Jalen Brunson together. I think that would be. You want to talk about go back to the old early seventies? The Knicks were always defined by that backcourt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm gonna say. That would be. Back to the future. Lord, if you're listening this Saturday morning, I know I'm a day early, but uh, we we come to you humbled 
And uh, we have no pride left as Knicks fans. Please, please give us give us Donnie Buckets. <laughs> and on that note, thank you, everybody, for checking in to Wake Up 502 for Rashad Myers, Joe Kelly. We out, and we rolling.